If the Relationship Alive podcast has been helpful for you or someone you know, and you want to ensure that the podcast continues, you can help that happen for as little as the price of a monthly cup of coffee or a decent sandwich, or if it works for you, a lovely dinner. You can also make a one-time donation if that's better for you. For more information and to choose the tier that feels right, please visit neilsatin.com support. Or you can text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Thank you so much for your help in making this podcast happen and being part of making the world's relationships more conscious and thriving as a whole. Oh, and one last thing. If you haven't downloaded it yet, make sure that you grab my free guide to the top three relationship communication secrets. These three things are easy to do and they can completely transform the way that you communicate in relationship. So whether you're talking about something really easy to talk about or something really, really challenging, the way that you communicate it will bring you closer together with your partner so you can experience deeper intimacy, deeper connection, even if you're talking about something challenging. So again, that guide is free. And to get it, all you have to do is, vi- is visit neilsatin.com slash relate, or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions to download the guide. So if you want to support the podcast, you can text support to 33444. And if you want to get the free guide, you can text relate to 33444. All right, easy enough. And now on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. How do you get over the things that are holding you back? And, you know, I'm not talking about things like, you know, your finances or, you know, the fact that you've got to take your dog out every morning. I'm talking about the things that are deep inside you and that steer the direction of the choices that you make or the way that you interact with the world or the way that you interact with your partner. How do you get at those things and create a shift so that you can enjoy different results? Particularly if the things that are holding you back are causing you to repeat the same old patterns that keep you in disconnection instead of connection, or that have you reaching a certain point in your journey and never being quite sure how to get past that point. So you just find yourself stuck or confused. Well, that is what we're going to talk about on today's show. Our guest returning to be with us again is Catherine Woodward Thomas. She is the author of Conscious Uncoupling, also the author of Calling in the One. Conscious Uncoupling was a New York Times bestseller and has totally transformed the way that we as a society talk about breaking up and understand what's possible. But today, Catherine is coming on the show to talk about the secret ingredients of her work, what makes her work so unique, and how do we affect this kind of transformation so that whatever we're bringing to life, to our relationships, to ourselves, 
is shifted for the better so that we make better choices and experience deeper and deeper levels of connection and intimacy with the people that we care about the most. As always, we will have a detailed show guide for you. You can get that by visiting neilsatin.com slash kwt3 or texting the word passion to the number 33444 and following the instructions. So Catherine, thank you so much for being here with us today on Relationship Alive. Oh, it's one of my favorite places to be. I just love your show, Neil. I'm super happy to be with you guys today. Thank you so much. Yeah. So Catherine, your work has a reputation of being extremely transformative and powerful and often within a relatively short period of time. So I'm wondering what it is, what do you focus on that helps people transform so quickly and so much for the better? Oh, thank you, Neil. Um, Well, I've been working kind of in the trenches with people who are suffering from um, a broken heart or a chronic pattern of deep disappointments in love, one right after the other. Um, mostly the people that I've been working with have been, I like to say, sitting, sitting on the cushion and the couch for many years. They're not newbies to personal development or to spiritual development. And yet these painful patterns happen in um, intimate relationships over and over again. And uh, particularly when one is suffering from a breakup, which is what we focus on in the conscious uncoupling work, um, you know, there's the typical grief that someone is suffering and, and going through that really cannot be helped because we will all feel sad at the end of a, a primary partnership or a, an intimate love. But there's this other component, which is the insult that it is to our identity and the despair that it can trigger because it's yet another piece of evidence that love doesn't go well for us or that we're always wind up alone or that no one chooses us or whatever that old story is. So both in the conscious uncoupling work and in the calling in the one work, I think one of the reasons why people have such profound breakthroughs so quickly in both uh, teachings is that we tend to go to the underlying core of the patterns that have been happening and um, in, in conscious uncoupling, we call it your source fracture wound, which is the original break in your heart, and recognizing that what just happened between yourself and another and the disappointment that you're experiencing is not new, that it's part of an ongoing pattern that started long, long ago, and we go right back to what that original break in your heart was, the original break in belonging, and what that then was interpreted as by you. So what the core beliefs that formed in response to that disappointment. So if you had a narcissistic mother, it might have been like, um, you know, I'm invisible. And no one really cares about what I feel and what I need and how I see the world. And it's even dangerous to try and presence my own feelings and needs because I get punished for that. Or, you know, or if, you know, or, or an experience of, you know, if you had uh, a, a father who 
um, was abusive. It might have internalized as, you know, I'm not safe in this world and other people have ill intent or other people are going to, you know, harm me at any moment. They're not trustworthy. And life is precarious. Love is precarious. Safety is precarious. So there's a, a way that we form a self-sense in relationship to what's happening between ourselves and others. And so it's the way that we're interpreting our experience that becomes a re-wounding. And, you know, there's this whole thing that says that when we get into relationships with people that kind of recreate old patterns, painful patterns from childhood, I mean, Freud called it the repetition compulsion, so it's not anything new. We've been aware of this for over 100 years. And there's this whole theory in psychology, and I'm a psychotherapist, and I think a lot of us are kind of, you know, poking holes in some of the theories that we've come to accept as norm, but this whole idea that when we duplicate old painful patterns, it's because we're trying to heal. And I think on some level that's true, but to me it's it's actually more true to say that we're duplicating old painful patterns because we lack the skills and development to do it any differently than we're doing it. And we don't know how to navigate our relationships to the highest potential that they hold for happiness and well-being. And we're working with the same principle also in calling in the one because wherever people are centered in themselves around their belief systems about love, wherever we are centered, and usually these belief systems form when we're very young, but wherever we're, we're centered in ourselves as it relates to love is where we are generating our lives from. And we tend to show up in ways that tend to duplicate or pull on others to replay that story out over. And this drives us crazy because, you know, we're tender. We don't, we don't have the capacity to go from heartbreak to heartbreak to heartbreak or disappointment in love to disappointment in love. Why is no one ever choosing me? Why does no one ever seem to want me? How, how come I always wind up alone again no matter how hard I try? And so we get down to the center of it. You know, there's a lot of behavioral interventions. You know, you should do this when he says that or, um, or you know, certain, you know, just, you know, communication skills that we're learning. And I love all of those skills. But if you're putting good communication skills on top of a core belief of no one ever loves me, that core belief and the energy that it's radiating from your body is communicating to people and the covert things that you're going to do to kind of prove that belief system is true, which is what we do, you know, in spite of our desire to do it otherwise, that's going to trump whatever, you know, words you're reading off a page to somebody. So we're generating our own experience all the time. And I think the thing, Neil, that's been really, um, kind of unknown and mysterious to us is how that's happening. Mm. Because I know that all of us are trying very hard to do it differently. Right? But you've had you've had an experience of this too. I mean this is this is how you have created your beautiful relationship with your bride to be. I know. And um I wonder if you could you would you be willing to share that story a little bit? Sure. Yeah, um, and, you know, regular listeners on the podcast, um, you know, you've heard parts of this story before, and you know that 
Um, I've been through Catherine's conscious uncoupling coach training. So, um, but I'm thinking back to when we were working on discovering a source fracture wound and, um, you know, if I may be a little vulnerable here, I remember getting up in front of the other coaches in training in our, you know, when we were all together out in Los Angeles and speaking to this core belief that I had that I wasn't lovable and what it felt like to really get inside of that belief. And if you had, if you had come up to me on the street and said, Hey, you know, do you believe that you're lovable? I, I would have said, yeah, of course. You know, like I, that wasn't operating for me in any way where I could have just put my finger on it. You know, it, it took a little digging to get there. But once I felt it and realized what the world looks like from the eyes of I'm not lovable. And then once we switched that to, and, and I'm having trouble remembering exactly what it was because for me it's, it's formed and reformed over and over again since that moment. But something like I am love, I embody love and, and I have so much love to give the world. Um, and I'm a treasure to life, suddenly the way that I even experienced the people around me in that room, and and certainly when I came back from Los Angeles with, with Chloe, and, and she and I have had several transformative moments like that where the whole landscape has just shifted, um, but I felt the power of being in relationship and seeing how I was perpetuating that old story, that old belief unconsciously, but it was coming out in the, in my actions and, and suddenly everything looked very different and the kinds of choices that I could make, um, coming from a place of experience of my own value and experience of like, for me, an infinite wellspring of love within me, which I honestly try to bring to this show as well. Um, suddenly everything looked really different. It's and, amazing, yeah. right? It's like going from a black and white world to a color world. Yeah. When, when you wake up out of the trance of the old story, I call it the true you awakening where you just wake up out of that story and you see that it was the story that you formed when you were young. Can you, could you trace back the age of the self that you were when you created that I'm not lovable story? Yeah. That, I mean, that was a really young me and, you know, I had probably, um, was being punished for something, you know, something perfectly normal for, you know, a four-year-old kid to, to be doing. Right. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, but, you know, and I, I, I love my parents, but some of their choices were not choices I would make as a parent. And mm -hmm. even and even saying that, you know, I'm sure that I'm messing with my kids and we'll, you know, they'll, there'll be some conversations we have to have, you know, 20 years from now. Or whatever. I know, I know. <laughs> I watch the, I watch the beliefs forming in my own kid and I try and course to correct them. Like, no, no, don't go there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, cause we're, we, that's, I mean, that's the thing about being conscious is that we get to, 
you know, pass that on to our kids. But I, I still see that she has some of them. It's human. It's human for us to form these ideas about ourselves. I love what you said before about you had to really dig to get there because you had these ideas already. And I think every single person here with us today has ideas about what some of those beliefs are. And one of the things that I want to invite us all to do is to realize that beliefs are actually held in the field of the body, in the energetic of the body, and they're not really in the brain. So we have these ideas about, oh, yeah, I have this belief like I'm not lovable or, or that I'm not good enough or that I'm, you know, not worthy. But what do you want to do to really find what the actual belief is? And we call it, you know, the source fracture wound and um, the source fracture story about yourself, others in your life. Um, in conscious uncoupling, we call it your false love identity in the calling in the one work. And you want to imagine, you want to close your eyes for a moment and imagine that whatever your painful pattern in love is, is happening or the breakup that you just went through is happening and just feeling it in your body. Where do you feel it? Usually people feel it in their heart, like a heaviness or in their solar plexus, like it just feels like a knot or like a swirling sickness in your tummy. You know, so you just want to connect with that and welcome those feelings and let that part of your body tell us the story. I am or I am not or others do or don't. And usually it's like the anticipation of how others are going to feel about you. So I'm not lovable. Other people don't really care about me. They don't really love me for who I am, really. They only love me because of what I can do for them, maybe. Right? And and the world is hard and kind of empty inside of that story. And so, you know, so whatever that story is, and then you ask yourself, how old is that part of me? And you start to realize that this was a story that you created long, long, long ago. And uh, as Neil was alluding to, he was talking about, I am a treasure unto all of life. Um, I am, you know, deeply loved. I see evidence of being loved every day. One of my favorites for the I'm not lovable Neils, I am deeply loved by all of life. And I see evidence of how life loves me continually. Because mm. it shifts your focus to say, oh, yeah, by the way, I had food to eat this morning. And I live in this great place. And I have good friends and wow, and I have this really cool job or whatever it is. You know, when you start looking for the evidence of how life loves you, you see it. So it shifts your perspective and it will wake us up out of the trance. And then we get to mentor that five-year-old self like, wow, that, you know, the fact that your mother didn't, you know, attend to you wasn't because, or the fact that your mom punished you wasn't because you weren't lovable was actually what she thought love to look like, truthfully, mm. right? If you really look at it from your adult self. Mm -hmm. So you can course correct the consciousness. But you alluded to something that was really incredible that I just want to point out to everybody, which was this, I, this, this willingness to start to see yourself as the source of all of the evidence that you've gathered over the years for that false love identity, that source fracture story. And that's a really, when you, you, I think you called it secret sauce or secret ingredient. That is the secret ingredient to our work is helping us all to see very, very specifically how we are covertly outside of conscious awareness 
pulling on others to validate the old sad story. So, and that's covert and that's subtle. So it's things like for an I'm alone story, um, it's like ending relationships prematurely when you get angry with someone instead of leaning in to work out the conflict or isolating or being really super self-sufficient and not, you know, being the giver in relationships and not letting people see your own vulnerability. Or if it's an I'm not wanted, deep, false belief, source fracture story, then it's kind of noticing that inside of the assumption that other people don't want what you have, you're kind of aggressively in their face, so they have nowhere else to go but back up. So there are these really subtle kind of things that we do that then give us evidence of, for the aloneness or the un, you know, lack of worthiness or lack of safety. You know, for, a, for someone with an I'm not safe core identity around love, um, very often that person will be extremely quick to be defensive, which creates a lack of safety for someone else. And then they start acting defensive. But the thing about it is that we always feel like it's the other person doing it to us. We feel like we don't see how we're causing it. So in our work, we help everyone to see this is how it's happening through you. We kind of unpack the mystery. And and we're waking people up to the deeper truth. And then we're actually identifying the new ways that you would need to be showing up to have a different experience So, for example, someone who has an I'm alone, instead of just, you know, taking your marbles and going home when you're upset with someone and distancing from them, you find a way to lean in and work it out with them. Well, that might not be something you know how to do because maybe you never saw it before. Um, And so what you do instead is you, you, you identify the particular skill that is missing. So in this case, conflict resolution. And you begin to see, wow, I could actually generate like a different way this goes, this pattern goes. I could graduate from this pattern. I could get to a point where this old story kind of disappears because I've so left it behind. I've grown beyond it. Most of the things that we do that create toxicity and disappointment for us is um, is something that we kind of learned to do when we were young as a strategy to be safe, right? So we were just, so it it feels like safety. So one of the things that we have to do to graduate is identify these new ways of relating, identify the specific skills, which by the way, can be as easy as reading one book. Right, so we're tap dancing around these missing skills for years, creating suffering for ourselves, where when we identify it, we listen to one podcast of yours, and it's handled. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Right, right. Like, right? Like, how do, how, do, how do you let someone love you? Right, so there's like a skill set to that. Well, you have to, you know, be connected to your feelings and needs and you have to bring it out in a way that is soft enough and vulnerable and not defensive so that someone can find their way into your world and begin to extend their love to you. It might be that simple. Where before, inside of the idea, I'm not lovable, there's always this defense against being disappointed. 
by others. Or there's always like, I'm just going to love you enough for both of us. So there's no room for someone to love you back. I don't know what your particular mechanism was, but I know that for a lot of people, that's the mechanism for I'm not lovable. Yeah. I think for me, it, it meant that everything was imbued with this subtle fear that I was going to fuck up basically. And, and then, you know, Chloe or whoever, you know, cause I had partners in the past would pick up their cards and go home, you know? And so, so I was always kind of playing, you know, the best, what is it? The best offense is a good defense or something like that. I was always playing defense, but, but in trying to keep my safety shorn up all the time, it was short circuiting the flow of love that, and that needs to it requires vulnerability in order for that to happen so yeah that is so beautifully said so you were trying to be perfect yeah right (laughs) so they would love you and now what we know is that we love each other because we're imperfect yeah yeah so great skill for you listening great (laughs) skill is compassion in the face of your partners and your own imperfection that's a that's a really crucial capacity in relationship is to be able mm-hmm. to go to your compassion instead of going into your trigger, which is what generally happens. Mm-hmm. So the being vulnerable part for you was the risk you had to take, which, you know, took a lot of courage mm-hmm. when you started to do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm curious from your perspective you know what for if you're someone who's either gone through a breakup so you're single and and doing this work or you're um single and looking for love so you're single and going through this work then you're going to do these shifts and and that is probably going to change the nature of who you're even attracted to or maybe, oh definitely right right definitely when you're well, right so yeah well when we're creating our own lives which then validate where you know, where we're centered within ourselves, you know, whether we're in this source fracture story or whether we're centered in the deeper truth, we're going to behave differently. And either we're going to navigate our way to the higher potentials of that relationship, or we're going to go spiral the potentials downward to then validate the old story, or we're going to choose people who will predictably act out the old story. And I think when we're centered in the truth, and living life from there, and that's the predominant center, what ends up happening is we actually lose interest in the old, you know, dramas that are predictable, and we become interested in more healthy people. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, I've seen this capacity in my own relationship. I'm curious from your perspective for the, for listeners who are in relationship, how how can we offer them some hope around, you know, you didn't just make this poor choice from this position of your core love wound and now you're screwed unless you choose someone different. Um, what's possible for them? I think that's great. I love the question. And actually, it's the book that I'm gestating, I think, you know, how to how understanding Um, our core beliefs and the core filters that um, we're trying to have a relationship through uh, actually can wake us up to have a great relationship. 
So it has to start within in terms of someone really waking up out of the old trance and then seeing yourself as the source of the breakdowns that are happening between yourself and your partner. And very often that's a, that's a big spiritual practice because it will occur to us like it's the other person that's just human. And unfortunately, you know, when we're, when we're victimized by someone else, there's really no growth and development um, in a way that's going to really catalyze a huge difference. I think a lot of us are doing work on top of victimization, like, well, you know, it's this person's fault, so-and-so, and so, you know, my growth is that I need to just put my foot down and leave, you know, and that's what self-love looks like. Well, it might, but unless you actually see how you are the source of that, you know, harmful dynamic that's happening between yourself and the other person, you're likely to just find it created again with someone new. So we want to go deeper and we want to give up being a victim and we want to start to reflect upon ourselves as the source of our experience with that partner. And one of the ways we get stopped, Neil, in doing that is that we go right to like, what's wrong with me or how come I'm so screwed up or, you know, why doesn't anyone ever love me? These are all kind of victimized, disempowered questions that are not going to lead to growth. Um, a question that might lead to growth, true growth in relationship is, okay, so how am I giving my power away to my partner? And what can I do to reclaim it? Or how am I treating myself in ways that have treat, that, that have kind of trained my partner to treat me this way? Right? So when you start to do these this kind of depth work, you shift it within yourself, and then you can have a very honest conversation with your partner, and, and if you can take self-responsibility, you can very often put the relationship on a different track. So, for example, instead of saying to the person, you treat me like crap and you need to cut it out, you might say, you know what, I have, I have four ways of treating myself that are very disrespectful. And maybe you give some, you know, I do this and I do that and I see I do this. And I think I've really trained you to be disrespectful to me. And I am, you know, I am changing that. And so from now on, I'm going to be, you know, treating myself with a lot more respect. And I ask that you really be conscious to do the same and not just kind of go unconsciously, you know, reflect back to me the old story, the bad story. So I could even see... Yeah, I could even see your your enlisting your partner almost as an accountability partner. Like, you so can are. you hold me accountable for treating myself with respect? And exactly. And when you find yourself treating me with disrespect, can you track it back to what I just did that elicited that from you? Mm. So now you become evolutionary partners. Yeah. Right now, now you're now you're both growing and you're both outside of that story and you're growing together to wake up to a deeper truth and to create your life from that truth, which is going to be I'm worthy of respect. I'm worthy of love. We all want to get to the point, Neil, where our relationships, our intimate relationships are healing and they're a source of safety and trust and where we're growing together. And we're not just tap dancing around the wounds. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the focus of this show really is, is that how we evolve our relationships so that we can support each other like that. Um, mm. Both, you know, in the moments of joy and bliss and, you know, all those amazing things that can happen. And as you encounter those painful seeds of like discontent, how you, how you take them on in a different way right there and then in the moment that creates healing. So the interesting thing that happens for people when they do, and basically I've just described what you and I are talking about is this five-step process um, to evolve beyond your source fracture story. And the source fracture story, by the way, in a breakup is not hard to find because normally when somebody breaks up with us, if, if someone is rejecting us, we will internalize that. Um, with a whole story and it's not, it's like right there, like, Oh, you know, alone again, or, you know, gosh, why am I, you know, never chosen? I'm always the one who's not wanted or, you know, so that story is just right there. I'm not good enough for that person. And usually, you know, the, when we really unpack it, we can see that there's a belief about ourselves and a belief that we project onto others, like how others will feel about us. So I'm not enough. Other people, you know, men like other women more than they like me. They don't think I'm enough for them. Or I can never do enough to prove my value, which is maybe the belief about life, you know. So so we're kind of swimming in this whole matrix of beliefs. And so we want to name that very clearly is one of the first things you said. And, and, and we can do that by dropping down into our body and letting the pain in our bodies name it. And, um, and I find, you know, sometimes there's like three or four things. I'm alone and I'm invisible and I'm not good enough. And, you know, and you want to, you want to choose the one that feels the most painful, like you just hit the nerve, the one that can actually bring tears to your eyes and work with that one. And then you want to unpack the second part of that is to, to kind of, and, and you want to see the age of that self too. And uh, extend love to that part of you that's feeling that way and that's holding that painful story. And then you want to unpack how that story has been happening through you and how you've been convincing people, for example, that you're not good enough. Um, how you've been kind of organizing your life around gathering evidence for this story. You know, sometimes it's very pervasive. If you have an I'm alone, very often people with an I'm alone end up working alone from home, being an entrepreneur where they're just kind of alone and all the time, <laughs> or they live out in the woods or, you know, <laughs> and work from home. So it's kind of, or, you know, when I, one of the things that I discovered when I was just discovering this is I really, you know, first fall center I realized I had was an I'm not valuable. And when I looked around my I mean, this was like 20 years ago. I looked around my life and I drove this old beat up car and all my clothes were from the thrift shop and I had no savings. So like, and I undercharged for my services. So I had it everywhere. It was like everywhere. So of course it's getting mirrored back to me in intimate relationships because I was like swimming in the sea of not being valuable. Mm. Right. So, so you want to start to unpack how you're generating this story but the big key to evolving is to wake up out of that story. What's really true? 
And a lot of times we're doing affirmations like life is good or, you know, um, you know, I am money or, you know, money loves me or you know, all those you know, money abundance <laughs> things. And I love affirmations, but this is different than an affirmation. We work with what we call power statements because they're powerful and they wake us up out of the trance. So what is true as it relates to the idea that I'm not lovable? Right. And you were kind of sharing some of your power statements with us. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious for someone who feels like, well, this is just me. Like, I don't really believe this. Like, I don't like on on an intellectual level, like, sure, I'm I'm not alone. I'm I'm, you know, connected to all of life, but it feels so Pollyanna like like how do you how do you help someone make that really authentic and powerful for themselves? Yeah, that's really great because a lot of times those of us who are on a kind of consciousness path or spiritual path, we know kind of from the heart up the truth. Mm. But we don't really know it from the heart down, mm. <laughs> right? So there's a split. <laughs> and that's what people call spiritual bypass, right? The heart up is like fully on board. But in a way, we're leaving that other part of ourselves alone inside that other story. So we do this practice about building a relationship between what we call like this younger self that's living in the body, this tender self that has this conversation of, of being all alone or of not being wanted or not being loved or lovable. And what we do is we connect through this resourceful, developed, wise, adult soulful self with that younger self that's being held in the belly and you can even put your hand on this part of your body wherever that part of you is and just say sweetheart uh, you're not alone I'm here with you I love you I want you I'm listening to you so you build relationship between these two parts of ourselves so that our spiritual development is not m like moving really quickly beyond these tender hurting parts of us and leaving them behind. We have to build a relationship with that part of the self. And I think it starts there when we wake up into the deeper truth is this dialogue where you're correcting the consciousness. You're saying, sweetheart, you're not, you're not not enough. You're, you're more than enough for me. You need to do nothing to prove your value. You are a treasure to me just as you are, as you are to all of life. You are a treasure in this universe. So you just kind of course correct the consciousness. And if you stay in a dialogue with that part of yourself, immediately there's going to be a sense of relief. You know, how are you feeling now, Angel? Right? This is you talking to you. How are you feeling right now, sweetheart? I feel better. I feel happier. That part of ourselves is just kind of waiting for us to liberate them from the story. And, um, and so, you know, to stay in relationship with ourselves and these parts of us that are not quite on board with our spiritually advanced ideas, <laughs> you know, <laughs> scoop them into the conversation instead of just kind of leave them behind. I mean, they cause us so much pain that we do want to leave them behind, but that's never going to go well because, you know, in the end, you know, if you think about romantic love, you think about... um intimate relationship that's first and second chakra that's rootedness on this planet that's sexuality and 
And so, you know, being open in your third eye can help a little bit. But if you have, you know, you're holding like in the bottom chakras, this deep, I'm alone, sad story, that's what's going to get generated. Mm. So we have to, you know, and that will try, and I've seen this countless times, people who are very psychologically sophisticated and spiritually advanced, still acting out old, painful patterns. So we want to graduate from those patterns forever and leave them behind as a memory and things that taught us compassion and wisdom and um, so that we actually have the power to create something different. And it all begins, Neil, with setting an intention to have happiness and health and love and to notice, you know, you were saying, what, what, what's been keeping us stuck? And the biggest obstacle to love is this identity of someone who is unworthy of it in some way or not destined to have it. And to work with that part of the self and to realize that that is a younger self. And when those wounding experiences happen to us, that that part of the self lacked any kind of sophistication to process that and could only make it mean something that was not good about ourselves. We couldn't say, oh, gee, my mom's an alcoholic. I better, you know, look up an AA meeting and see if we can get her some help. The only thing you could do with that was, I must not matter. My feelings and needs must not matter here. Or I'm not important or I'm not loved or some other conclusion. So we are grown, we are advanced, we are evolving, we are sophisticated, and we can know the deeper truth. And then we can look at the development that was missing in our childhoods and start to learn it ourselves so that we have the power to create a different experience. And that's where people really can make incredibly fast change. Because the moment you do that, Neil, this is what happens. You recognize that you are indeed lovable. And you recognize that the, that one of the ways of showing up in relationship is, as you said before, the skill of being vulnerable. And how you can be vulnerable and let someone into your life is, you know, maybe connecting with your own true feelings and your own true needs and then communicating that to another person in a way that allows them to enter your world. That's actually a skill. And so you can learn that skill. And when you're out there, the first time you do that with somebody, what happens is that somebody does extend themselves into your world. They actually show up for you. And they do it. And that's startling. So instead of spending 20 years analyzing, you know, when you felt unlovable, why you felt unlovable, what someone did to you, how you felt about that. You know, all of this kind of, you know, processing, 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 which on some level is very helpful. So I'm a therapist. I'm not going to put therapy down. I love therapy. I'm part of, you know, my journey has been many years of therapy. However, graduation can happen actually very quickly because when you have the other person show up in the way that would actually validate the deeper truth of your worth worth, and how lovable you are, it changes you because beliefs are actually relational. They were formed in relationship with someone else and they are healed in relationship with others. And we've been trying to get that healing from the outside in without shifting ourselves first 
not realizing that no one can actually show up for you in a way that you're not showing up for you. So when you start from the inside out, you anchor into the deeper truth. You have this awakening. You shift your world from the black and white to the color world. You show up differently. Then you're going to have these experiences that truly do heal you and evolve you and graduate you forever from that old painful story in love. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I have a story I could share about that. But before I do, yeah. well, before yeah. I do, though, a question for you on um, what when when someone's in that place where, OK, I'm like I found my core fracture story and I I unblended from that part of me that's feeling that way. And, you know, I'm borrowing a little language from from Dick Schwartz and IFS there. And, and I love that unblended language. Yeah. And now I'm in my wise adult self and I'm and developing a relationship with that part of me. And that's, you know, I'm as I say that, I'm thinking about what you just said about beliefs being relational. So how important it is to develop that that inner relationship as a way of evolving your beliefs. And you get to that place where you recognize the deeper truth. And you're out in the world and suddenly you hear yourself saying something that isn't reflective of your deeper truth. What do, what offer, what do you offer someone as a way to course correct right there in the moment when they have that awareness of, oh my God, that's me. That's me repeating that pattern. Like I just, I heard myself do it. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Well, the first thing I say is excuse yourself to go to the bathroom for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> So you can have a little conversation with yourself in peace. I mean, once you get good at it, you can do it in the moment. Um, if you're really with someone who knows you well, you can say, whoop, hang on a second. That was me in the old pattern speaking out of the assumption that I'm not worthy. So let me course correct for a moment and try that again. Um, you can be very transparent about it. But, but I think it is about what we call shifting centers. And one of the things that I teach people is how to shift centers um, and we do get triggered all the time. We don't just kind of in a moment or in a weekend workshop have an awakening experience and then live from there. I, I look forward to the day where we collectively evolve to that point <laughs> <you know? laughs> where we have that experience and now that's just the new norm. What happens is that, you know, if somebody treats us a certain way, you know, they have, you know, other people have their own false beliefs, right? So they're behaving in defensive ways or they're, you know, mishearing you because they're interpreting from their old story too. So how to not get triggered, but we get triggered or, you know, just, you know, we just wake up on the wrong side of the bed that day. We had a weird dream. So we do get, you know, we wake up into that false story or we get triggered into it and it's learning how to take a deep breath and to notice your own consciousness and the unassumptions that you're centered in and course correct yourself and get into the deeper truth again, even if you can't feel it, the value of doing, having done this work is that you kind of know it now. So even if you're not feeling it, you can stop yourself, take a deep breath and go back to the, the new practice and uh, until you do feel it. Um, but but it's, it's working with a, a high level of self-awareness and that is a particular practice. And then, uh, you know, showing up differently, making a different choice to show up differently. Yeah, we practice that. We've, right? we've talked about on the show a lot about how once you are hijacked, or my, my latest favorite phrase is once you've gone limbic, 
that there's all bets are off at that point. So I I love your strategy of of giving yourself uh, a timeout if necessary to come back online. And when you're back online, you're you're already you've shifted where you operate from in terms of yeah. your entire physiology. So you're going to be much better prepared to come from that wise adult self than when you're being ruled by, you know, your primal brain, basically. Well, and there are things that, you know, studies show that we can do to get from the limbic back to the cortex part of the brain. And one of them is um, affect labeling is what psychologists call it. It's basically just taking a deep breath and just saying to yourself, what are you feeling right now? Mm. And mirroring back the feeling. I can see that you feel, you know, really upset. I got it. What else are you feeling? I can see that you feel threatened. Got it. What else are you feeling? Oh, I can see that you feel unloved. Okay, good. Now we're now we're there again at the at the story. So now you know. Okay, that's the I'm unlovable. That part of you is for sweetheart. I'm here. You know, all all he or she just did was this, and um, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're not lovable. That they don't love you. And even if that person does love you, I'm not defined by that person. Like, they cannot love me and I'm still lovable, (laughs) right? So you can actually correct yourself. And when you, you know, you learn how to do this, you get better and better and better at it. But if if you, when we find ourselves in that limbic part of the brain, that is one little trick that we can do Mm. is, is just, you know, mirroring back, naming the specific feelings that we're having and, and mirroring them back and just kind of, it will begin to deescalate the intensity. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And I I appreciate that addition to our, toolkit here on the show and and I hear that too in in how you explained the dialogue that that relationship that you are developing with that younger part of yourself that there's there's the affect labeling right there and in, in uh, asking mm-hmm. how you're feeling and what is and how can I show up for you and or, or I see that you're feeling such and such we didn't go um, too deep into that because that's more reflective I think of step one of the conscious uncoupling process and we've been really focused on source fracture right but, right um, but I hear how that that echoes through the whole thing that it helps keep you reg- regulated so that you can even have that conversation mm-hmm. definitely so I know definitely. we only have you were going to tell a story yeah though. what was your story well we only have a few minutes left but I'll t- I'll tell it quickly um and uh, so this happened just the other night, um, and and I I like to to mention that because we can feel like there's some perfection that we attain, and I think even the most masterful of us, not that I presume to be one of those people, um, you're there's still like a constant uh, awareness of like oh like look there I just went limbic and now what do I do how do I do that differently. And um, the other night, you know, I'd, I'd worked a long, hard day and Chloe had had like a little like a bump on the head that had kind of reignited an old concussion that she had had. So she was kind of incapacitated. And um, so she's on the couch and telling me she's hungry. And I just finished a long day and I just kind of called out like, I'm going to go take a shower. Like, I'll see you in 20 minutes. So I went and and took a shower. Actually, I probably said I'm going to take a really quick shower, which ended up being 20 minutes. So anyway, she comes in to the to the bathroom and and looks at me and says, you suck. And I'm I swear I'm not going to throw Chloe under the bus right here. But this was these were her words to me like you really suck right now. 
And in my old world, there might have been a part of me that really believed that. And so I would have gotten really defensive. I don't like, what are you talking about? I don't suck. And I would have gone to my own triggered place because she was she was angry. And her fight in terms of fight flight, her fight had come up. And in truth, when I looked back on it, I saw that my flight was why I was even in the shower in the first place instead of hanging out with with Chloe and, and making dinner for her right then and there. That's that's like an additional part of the story. But she said, you suck. And so I looked at her and I said, you know, I don't suck. And, and I think you're really angry at me right now. And, and I can see how actually I messed up. So rather than going limbic and, and it becoming... And I could have so easily gone there to like, right. you know, why did you say that? Like, you should never say that to me. And, you know, and made it be about that. Instead, mm-hmm. I was able to like short circuit the pattern and just be like, you know, like you're you're mad at me and actually rightfully so. Um, and it's not cool for you to tell me that I suck. Like, so let's like let's just agree that that is not going to happen. That was part of the conversation we had later. Um, and believe me, there are things, there are times when I myself am angry and say things that I later regret and need to take back. Um, but we actually went very quickly from me sucking to, yeah, I actually did make a, a choice in a way that was really hard for her. And of course, I triggered her own story about probably being abandoned or her needs not being important. And, um, but rather than us being trapped in our story, suddenly we were able to be at the, like, yeah, I, I went to take the shower and, um, and I really could have shown up better in that moment. And, or, or her saying, yeah, I really felt abandoned and, and I got really angry and I wish I hadn't said you suck. I wish I could have just told you how much I really needed you in that moment. And, mm-hmm. and that softened the entire moment. And, you know, it could have been the kind of thing that two years ago would have ruined our entire night. And instead, right. there we were back in connection with each other. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you say ruin your entire night, I think that there's, you know, a certain amount of money in the bank where if we keep borrowing money out of the bank with comments like that and then escalating into fights, it begins to really undermine love for mm-hmm. the long term. And so you put money in the bank, you actually turn that around. So money went into the bank because you used it to deepen understanding between you and to heal each other in that moment. And that's just incredible. It's a beautiful story, Neil. Thank you. Really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, and those are the moments that I wish for all of you listening that not that you never experience conflict or one of you going offline, but that you experience what it's like to be in it and have the shift that we've been talking about in this mm. whole this whole episode. Yeah, and the, and the whole point of, you know, kind of unpacking this when you're having a breakup is to be able to do things differently next time because you have a greater level of consciousness and you can really graduate from the old patterns if you use the, you know, the the brokenhearted experience to break open, Mm -hmm. to really grow 
in ways that you'd never grown before. And that's what we kind of shepherd in that five-step process. Well, it's funny because this is a five-step process in step three, but we actually have three, five steps to the entire conscious uncoupling process, which I think we talked about in another program. So if anyone's interested, they can go back and listen to that particular program about the whole path. But we wanted to go deeper on this step three, break the pattern and heal your heart. And uh, this is how we break the pattern. Yeah, can I tell people about the coach training that's coming up too? Absolutely. I was going to ask you exactly how can people find out more about you, about your work, and what in particular is happening right now that people might want to know about? Well, thank you. I mean, anyone can go to KatherineWoodwardThomas.com whether you're interested in calling in the one or conscious uncoupling. Uh, there's, There's things on both. And actually there's, I'm just going to be launching uh, something called the LOL Daily, which is uh, a daily, um, a daily uh, practice and instruction that's going out to people so that we can all continue collectively to evolve our capacity to love and be loved. And that's just a free offering. But what I'm super excited about in this moment is the code training for conscious uncoupling, which uh, you've been through and you actually helped me to produce in the last, the last time we had a coach training because you were here, you know, by my side doing a lot of the heavy lifting with me. You were amazing. So we're forever bonded for that experience and how generous you were. And, um, but the, the coach training is a six month training. It is, um, I think it's where my deepest investment is is in my partners that I create in the training. I love to share my work and uh, even with people who have never been coaches or therapists before. So we have therapists, we have attorneys who come in who want to do uh, help their clients to consciously break up and divorce. We have coaches uh, so that people can form a niche in one area of specialty, which is uh, actually very helpful for many people to launch practices and also who I call lay people, people who've done other things. Maybe they've been massage therapists or healers or hairdressers, or, you know, but the process of conscious uncoupling is so specific that I've been able to uh, teach it to people no matter what their background is. So anyone who's interested in that, if you go to KatherineWoodwardThomas.com, there's a link to the, the program information page for the Conscious Uncoupling Coach training right there on the upper banner. Great, great. And if you happen to listen to this episode sometime in the future, your your coach trainings are happening all the time, right? So, Well, once a year we do either um, right now, I'm not sure if this is going to last, but right at the moment we do one coach training a year and we alternate between Conscious Uncoupling and Calling in the One. So this is our year for conscious uncoupling, uh, which is 2017. And then in 2018, we'll be training coaches in calling in the one. And I just want to take a moment first to say you're so welcome. And it's such a pleasure to know you and to have participated in in that coach training and just to to continue to know you and, and your work and to watch it grow and develop. And... And one of the things that struck me so deeply, um, particularly in your training, was just how universal it is. And it's why like this conversation today really applies no matter where you are in terms of your your love life. Um, you know, I think anyone can pick up conscious uncoupling and 
process a past breakup or use it to to process grief or simply go through the steps just as a way of evolving themselves um, to a new place. So while it, while it may sound like, oh, it's totally geared at people going through breakups, and it is on some level, at the same time, there's so much in there that's, I think, universally applicable. And I'm tantalized at the thought of the new book that you said was, <laughs> was gestating as well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's very exciting to start to kind of unpack how the transformation of identity process that I've been developing over the last dozen years is going to uh, create new possibilities for love in existing relationships. I'm really excited about that too. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your wisdom. And it's been such a great experience being with you today. As a reminder, if you want the show guide for today's episode with detailed show notes, you can visit neilsatin.com slash KWT3. That's short for Catherine Woodward Thomas, KWT3, or you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. And um, we'll have links as well to Catherine's site and um, her, so you can find out more about the coach, Conscious Uncoupling coach training and all of her work. And uh, Catherine, thank you again so much. I look forward to having you back at some point in the future. Oh, thanks, Neil. I look forward to it. Thanks for being with us, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com podcast. Or you can always text the word PASSION, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.